What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast. My name is Jacob Cooker, but my friends call me Cub, and you should too, every day on the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast. I explore the supernatural mythos. If you'd like to level up, you can level up in my community at any time by visiting www.cubcooker.com and become an official Mythos Insider. You can join my Mythos Insider community or my Mythos Insider Academy. Mythos Insider community starts at just seven bucks a month. It's a great way to support the show here as well as all of my content that I put out. You can go check that out at any time by scanning this QR code or visiting the link in the description. Thank you guys so much for your support with that, and I look forward to meeting you all. Today, I've got a fantastic episode for you. Uh, you don't want to miss out on today, and when I say you don't want to miss out, I mean, um, I have done some great episodes lately, but this might be the most fire episode I've ever done this is called Forbidden Anunnaki Creation Code, The Genesis of Genesis. And um, like I said, probably one of the most powerful episodes I'm going to drop right now between now and the holidays. I'm sure they'll all be fantastic, but I really wanted to just predicate um, this episode on the fact that I have done my research on this. I've put in the effort. I've found a code and I want to share that with you today. I put forbidden Anunnaki creation code because you don't learn this in school. They're not going to teach you this at your job. You're not going to learn this in, in any course that you can take unless you take my course. Um, but this code is, is really something special, I think. And it really will help you um, unlock the mysteries of the Anunnaki mythology. Um, and it is hidden within the first two letters of the Anunnaki gods. I'm going to get into this today deeply. We're going to read from the Enuma Elish. Uh, Benjamin says, only cub facts. That's right, brother. Thank you so much, my friend. Dragon says, ready for Thanksgiving? Yes. How are you, my friend? Looking forward to seeing you guys. Uh, got lots of family coming into town. Thank you for watching. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, looking forward to seeing you. Tara's been baking all day. Tara's my wife for anyone else watching. Uh, Spiritual Wanderer 111, what is up? Hey, Cub, we are talking about today. What are we talking about today? Talking about the forbidden creation code of the Anunnaki, the Genesis of Genesis. Now, when I say this, I'm not overhyping it when I tell you this is a hidden code, okay? Um, a lot of people talk about hidden codes and stuff. Guys, I actually found a hidden code in this. It's actually how you understand these myths, and it is actually hidden right within their names and it's actually fantastically simple but i can't believe i've been studying this for 18 24 months now almost two years deeply getting into the anunnaki and book of enoch and a lot of these ancient myths and i just now really grasped this concept so i'm really going to drop it out there today for everybody um and when i say this is the genesis of genesis guys this is where the book of genesis came from if you think the book of Genesis is some original story, some story that that is, is exactly verbatim what happened, you are sorely mistaken. And I mean that in the most loving, kind way, okay? Any scholar you talk to will tell you that, yes, 
the book of Genesis is derived from earlier myths, most likely the Sumerian, Babylonian, and Akkadian, or the larger collection of Mesopotamian myths um, called the Enuma Elish, the Epic of Atrahasis, uh, the myth of Adapa. We've got a ton of different ones. Like I said, if you guys love this and at any point you want to grab my free Anunnaki guide, scan that QR code or hit up cubkuker.com slash Anunnaki, cubkuker.com slash A-N-U-N-N-A-K-I, Anunnaki. Um, and that's going to give you a free PDF download. It's just a super simple download. You can look at it on your phone, your tablet. You can print it off if you want to. Um it's going to go through and give you a ton of the archetypal connections. Okay. Uh, it's going to show you like uh, which gods from the Anunnaki pantheon correlate with other gods. It's going to give you nine of the core mythologies. You'll read for yourself. Uh, you can copy them and paste them. Go look them up online. I'm going to summarize those nine mythologies for you. Give you kind of a starter kit, if you will, to understanding the Anunnaki lore and legend. Why is that important? It's the most important thing if you're into biblical studies, if you're into ancient myths, if you're into spirituality, ascension, if you're into manifesting, anything like that. This is literally 101 day one groundwork that most people skip out on that makes all the difference in my humble experience here um, when it comes to taking authority over your destiny. And we're going to be looking this week specifically at their tablets of destiny and the MEs, the me's uh, that they wore, that they had in their tablets, that they had in their technology, uh, their wands or their weapons, whatever you want to call them. Um, we actually see this um, in the, the mythical story of Sodom and Gomorrah from the Bible. And yes, I say mythical because um, we don't really know how to place it all in history, right? You know, uh, it's a myth, not because it's not true. It's just a myth because it's out of history. Kind of like metaphysics is outside of physics. Myths are outside of historical context. And we don't really know how to fit them in there specifically. So uh, what we search to attain that info, uh, thanks, Rangi says. Um, hit my website up, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com. You can get the core URL by jumping over into my bio. Um, and then once you go there, just type a slash after it and then Anunnaki, A-N-U-N-N-A-K-I, cubcooker.com slash Anunnaki. Uh, super, super easy to follow PDF, but it's a great place to start. So, William, do you think that the world is ending? Absolutely not, my friend. Absolutely not. They've been telling us the world is ending since day one, and it actually started with the Anunnaki uh, with their prophecies and their predictions, which were decrees, not predictions. They weren't psychic or prophetic. They were, uh, they had their prophets who were not, you know, having some psychic download. They were literally just translating uh, the language of the gods and saying, this is what the God said. Um, that was the original intent of prophets, right? And then later on, once the gods are gone, if you believe they were physical um, and you follow the, ancient astronaut theory, then that's when you end up with um, prophets that are communicating through the frequencies and the wavelengths that they left behind, quite possibly through things like the Black Knight satellite, which we've talked about before. We'll talk more about that later. 
Uh, Honeybee, what's up? Hey, Cubby and Mythos family, what is up, Honeybee? I hope you're having a beautiful day. Thank you for being here. Uh, so no, I don't think the world is ending. I think it's super convenient to say that. I think it keeps people in fear, uh, anxiety, doubt, um, mis misunderstanding um, to just say, oh yeah, the world's ending. Oh, all the signs are lining up. Guys, the signs have been lining up forever. Go look at any point in history and tell me the signs aren't lining up. And then when people go, yeah, but there's more now. All the technology's here now. Yeah, the technology's been there all along, guys. There, there were ways to push the mark of the beast forward back then. There were ways to push it forward now. There were ways um, to watch the extraterrestrial kingdom come uh, back then. There were ways now. I mean, it's it, you know, there's nothing new uh, under the sun. Like we, it's it's all the same thing. It just repeats. So if the world is ending, it's only because you believe it's ending, right? Uh, if you believe it's ending, you're going to see a whole lot of ending to it, and you'll certainly watch it roll up and something new be created, or you won't be here to watch it. But I think that we've got to start taking a little bit more control of our destiny, look at what these Anunnaki were doing, and try to understand what it looks like to be authors of our own destiny. So they taught us exactly how to do that, and uh, we can actually hack hack in to their techniques through reading these ancient myths. So they left the data behind for us. Uh, so we might as well start looking at it, right? I mean, why are we ignoring it for so long, right? Williams is watching from Ireland. What is up, William? I hope you're having a beautiful day, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Kenny says, hyped to uncover the hidden code with Cub and Fam. Absolutely, brother. So this hidden code, um, again, this is the genesis of Genesis. Literally where the book of Genesis gets its source material, um, or at least these stories and myths. I'm not saying they had a copy of the Enuma Elish and they tried to plagiarize it. I just mean that they were adapting cultural stories that have been passed down and passed down and passed down. And then they tried to make sense of it culturally to fit the archetype of their deity, which was Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim. Remember, Yahweh is the proper name of the God of Israel. Elohim is a plural a word meaning gods. Okay. So when it says, um, and the gods created man in their own image, let us create man in our own image. Uh, it literally is talking about gods. It's not talking about like, you know, Jesus sitting there with a bunch of angel helpers, guys. This is literally, it's not talking about a Trinity. Okay. Uh, they didn't even have a Trinity back then. This is talking about the literal council of deities that decided to do this thing to create workers on the earth. And you can find all of that um, in the uh, Epic of Atharhasis, um, the myth of Adapa, the Enuma Elish, which we're about to read from. So Enuma Elish is one of the largest collections of this Babylonian myth. Um, you can go check out a great version of it at worldhistory.org. Just type in E-N-U-M-A-E-L-I-S-H, Enuma Elish, uh, the Babylonian creation myth. Um, it's going to give you a lot of information on it. I really like World Encyclopedia because it really gets the nuts and bolts of the data. It shows you the actual tablets, which I think is fantastic. This is one of the ta tablets. Let's see if I can get it pulled up. Uh, if you guys are watching, by the way, and you're not on YouTube, if you don't follow me on YouTube, Hit me up on YouTube. That's where you get to see what I'm showing on screen, the graphics, all the comments, everything. Even if you come back and watch later on, you know, you're fine watching on TikTok now. But if you want to know where I'm at long term, go hit up my YouTube channel. 
it is simply um, at C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R on YouTube, or you can hit up my website and all of the social media symbols are right there at the top under my profile picture. Go hit those up. Give me a follow on your favorite channels. They're also over on Facebook quite a bit. So um, for those of y'all that dig the Facebooks, um, go check it out. So the Enuma Elish here, um, this is one of the tablets, one of the tablets. So if you guys can see that, should be center screen now, maybe, no. Let me move it over here. Let's try to get it in alignment there. There we go, okay. So this is one of the tablets, okay? This is what they look like. If you guys have ever wondered what they look like, cuneiform tablets are big old hunks of clay that they flattened out and put in, in sort of a wooden mold. Um, and they would then take these wooden paddles and stamp these words on them. Alternatively, they would use what's called a cylinder seal, a cylinder seal. Can you guys hear me today? Hopefully everything sounds good. Uh, a cylinder seal would roll on this clay. They would take it kind of like a rolling pin and roll it over this clay. They had already pre-carved the story into like bone or another baked type of clay, maybe glazed or something so that it didn't stick to the clay. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. I know they found a lot of these things. I think a lot of them are carved out of bone from what I understand. Uh, and they would roll it on there and then they'd take another one and then roll it from there. And they could basically mass print these stories. Then they'd take these clay tablets. They would bake them in an oven or a large pyre, um, to get them nice and hot and to set them up like a brick. Okay. These people, Take the gods out of it. Say they made the gods up. These people were incredibly intelligent to realize that stone would last forever. Okay. And even though we're missing pieces, you can clearly tell over here we're missing a piece. Even though we're missing a piece, you can clearly tell they intended this knowledge to pass down and on and on and on and on. And it was so important that they put this on clay. Why clay? Why was that the perfect substratum to tell this story over and over and over to generation after generation? Uh, why not gold? Why not carve it using some sort of tooling into crystals or into um, some sort of other precious stone, right? Because those things would have been stolen. Those things had value to the markets, to people. Um, even though these are largely considered pre-civilization or very early civilization um, tablets, and they find more of them, it seems like all the time, lots and lots more data coming out about what early humanity was like. Some of these dating back as far as 6,000, even potentially more, uh, depending on who you ask, lots and lots and lots of debate, heavily debated on these things. You know, for a while, some of the earliest ones they thought were three to four thousand years old. Now you get, you know, up to six thousand years old, maybe even more. Then you find sites like um, uh, I don't even remember what it is, um, but there's one that they just found. Graham Hancock talks about it with the big T's. Um, let's see, it's called T Mono. T monoliths. What's it called? Um, I don't remember the name of it, guys. 
Gobekli Tepe. Gobekli Tepe. Yeah, Gobekli Tepe is this crazy uh, site with these massive tees um, that are made out of like just incredible stone that, uh, you know, how do they even figure out how to do this? These are monolithic, monolithic, meaning they are massive um, individual stones. And here's like, here's one standing up. See if I can show this. Um, oh, come on. You know, you find a, there we go. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to zoom in for y'all and put it front and center here. Okay. There you go. So this is, you know, this thing is incredibly tall. I, I can't remember how tall they are. I think they're over 10 feet tall. Uh, you can see they make like a T on top. I don't know if you can see the one in the background. Uh, they have a bunch of different animals carved into them. In this site, uh, you can find this on unseco.org, U-N-E-S-E-C-O. Uh, -E -E this is the World Heritage website, um, whc.unesco.org. Um, guys, I like looking up real stuff like this. Quit reading blogs that just, you know, show spaceships coming down and stuff, okay? I'm not here to tell you that definitely happened. I'm saying to me it makes the most sense. But I like to look at the real data. Like, let's look at the archaeological site of Gobekli Tepe. Try to figure out what these things actually are. I mean, look at this beautifully carved, everything around it. Um, and they found that the site was actually filled in purposefully with a bunch of junk. It became like a, a heap of like clay jars and bone and just junk that they filled it in with. It's like they were done with the site um, and for some reason filled it in. So I really like just looking at the raw data. Um, and the reason is, you know, because we don't... <laughs> You know, anybody can make up their version of something. I can make up my version of something. And I think it's really important to look at actual historical websites. The The World Heritage Convention uh, website that I just showed you that from is, is huge, huge uh, database of archaeological digs, uh, scholarly photographs and write-ups. Um, and so this says that the pre-pottery Neolithic age um, is where this is probably from, from 9,600 and 8,200 BC. These monuments were probably used in connection with rituals, most likely of a funeral nature, uh, a funerary nature, excuse me. Uh, distinctive T-shaped pillars are carved with images of wild animals, providing insight into the way of life and the beliefs of people living in upper Mesopotamia about 11,500 years ago. I just want to remind you, it wasn't that long ago uh, when I was growing up in school and uh, I was taught that the world uh, did not have intelligent people on it until about 6,000 years ago. Uh, I was taught that in a religious sense, but I was also taught that in a scientific sense when I was in public school. And to find these sites that are double that age and see that something clearly, someone or something clearly built huge huge stone dwellings or ritualistic sites or whatever you want to consider them how did they do that that's what all of this ties into so when you talk about anunnaki stuff 
Okay. A lot of the websites and a lot of the blogs and, and, and YouTubers and stuff, they just go crazy with telling you that a theory is true. And I'm not here to tell you that. I'm here to say, I don't know these the people that dig these things up. They're debating all the time. We weren't there. Now we have clues. You can look at one of those things and go, okay, that was clearly in advance, people. Uh, the, you know, just a, a simple hunter-gatherer did not know how to tool something like that. You know, I wouldn't know how to do that today to carve something like that, especially if I didn't have a garage full of tools, right? Um, and even the tools I have in the garage would be no match for that stone. So like, let's think about that for a minute and try to remember that every time you watch a conspiracy video and they tell you that it was clearly, you know, aliens that built it, ask yourself the question, if it were aliens that built it, how, why, where were they actually from? What was their intention with humanity? And are there any clues besides just looking at these sites to suggest that maybe we were visited in the past? And I think some of the best clues are in the myths, in the Enuma Elish that we're about to read from, in the Epic of Atrahasis, uh, in the myth of Adapa, in in these, these incredible, beautifully poetic, ancient tales of the gods and creation and humanity, um, things that can easily be construed in a light of um you know science science fiction um you can push the, the word myth on it and say this is all you know spiritual data it's all about what they thought you can just look at it as a tall tale you can look at it as like the ascension of man uh there's like a million different ways to interpret these things so the way i normally interpret things is a with logic and then B, through the ancient astronaut theory and always looking at scholarly websites to, to get real raw data. If you don't start with real raw data and you're starting with Bob's conspiracy blog, you know, and, and no, no offense if there's really one of those out there. But I just mean, maybe, maybe go get the real data. Go to uh, read the Enuma Elish for yourself. Um, look at this beautiful thing. I mean, I, I think this is incredible. You know, this is over on uh, worldhistory.org. A lot of these organization websites um, are going to have a lot better data on them than you're going to find anywhere else. So go look it up. The reason that most people don't cite them or talk about them is, you know, they're largely boring because it's a lot of words and there's some, you know, photos with numbers and the little word circa, you know, what does that mean? I don't know. Circa means around, you know, and so I used to work at a museum actually for many, many years and do installations like this and do lighting like this. And even the background that you see here on this tablet, I did the same types of backgrounds uh, with the acid-free cloth and an acid-free adhesive. And then I would make the plexiglass mounts just like you're looking at here. I didn't personally make this one, but I did stuff like this for our local museum here. We have one of the largest museums in Texas here. Uh, and I was able to do a lot of that work here and uh, really the atmospheric design, murals, stuff like that. Um, so I really appreciate the fact that we can go look at these things on websites like this and that you have high res photos. You guys are literally looking at what I'm about to read. And I think this is amazing. It's amazing, guys. Uh, so just be thankful for that and uh, do the boring stuff in life. Do the research. Go look at the scholarly websites. Go actually read the text for yourself. Um, it's it's pretty fascinating, I think. So 
Uh, from worldhistory.org, the Enuma Elish, also known as the Seven Tablets of Creation, is the Babylonian creation myth whose title is derived from the opening lines of the piece, When on High. The myth tells the story of the great god Marduk's victory over the forces of chaos and his establishment of order at the creation of the world. Now, real quick, I want to talk about why that's important. Chaos is this force that humanity has been dealing with since the dawn of time. And probably people, if there are people on other planets throughout the universe, they're trying to figure it out too. Where is God? Where is order? Where is authority in chaos? And where does destiny fall? There are two opposing forces, chaos and destiny, chaos and destiny. And destiny says, I will do this. I will be the greatest dot, dot, dot. Chaos says anything could happen. Are you sure about that, Cub? Are you sure? Because what if dot, dot, dot? And it's these two battling forces of can you control chaos? Well, the nature of chaos is it can't be controlled. But if it can't be controlled, then why hasn't chaos eaten and taken over everything in the universe and turned it all back into stardust? So these are the deep existential questions that we're going to ask going through the Enuma Elish. And when I go through this, you're going to understand the book of Genesis a thousand percent more than you ever have. You're going to be able to activate on what it means. You're going to be able to activate on the fact that there are particular gods talked about throughout it. And you're going to be able to activate on the fact that now you understand the esoteric data in it and how to actually apply it to your life, specifically the creation myth within the book of Genesis leading up to Adam and Eve. We're not going to talk about the Garden of Eden today. I'll get into that on another one. In fact, if you want to know more about that, check out the podcast I did just a few days ago uh, called Anki, the Great Engineer. Go check that out. Uh, fantastic episode. You'll learn more about the Garden of Eden with that and his outdoor laboratory. So uh Enki is the encryption key key to the matrix sort of sort of we're going to talk about that i actually got the keys for you today i'm going to share four of them that's going to decode this entire myth for all of us so um we're going to jump in here so all of the tablets containing the myth also known as the enuma elise uh i like it i like to say it ellis e-l-i-s it's also e-l-i-s-h um but Enuma Elise sounds prettier, I think. So um, found at Ashur Kish um, in Arshkubal, Arshkubanabals. Ar, let's, let me say this. A-S-H-U-R, Ashur Bonapal, Ashur Bonapal's library in Nineveh. Okay, I should have slowed down. Um, if I just talk over my words, I can't get them out correctly. I knew that word. I just didn't say it correctly. Ashur Bonapal's library at Nineveh um, and other excavated sites date to 1200 BCE. Uh, their colophones, however, indicate that these are all copies of a much older version of the myth dating long before Humrabi of Babylon, 1792 to 1750 BCE. The king who elevated the god Marduk to the patron deity of Babylon the poem in its present form with Marduk as champion is thought to be a revised version of the older Sumerian work. So the picture I just showed you with the tablet is the Mesopotamian Epic of Creation uh, from Osma Sukir Muhammad Amin, 
um, is apparently the one that took that photo according to the website here. So um, anyway, I'm sharing stuff for the purpose of commentary here, not my own work, but go support worldhistory.org and their incredible library of information over there. All right, now I'm going to read this. Uh, and I found a version that I think is a pretty good um, public domain version here. Um, let's see. Yeah, this is under Creative Commons license. The Enuma Elish, Babylonian Epic of Creation, Seven Tablets of Creation, the text of the Enuma Elish. Tablet one, when the heavens did not exist and earth beneath it had not come into being, there was Apsu, the first in the order of their begetter, and Demiurge Tiamat, who gave birth to them all. They had mingled their waters together before meadowland had coalesced and reed bed was to be found. When not one of the gods had been formed or had come into being, when no destinies had been decreed. So right away, this text gives us a great view into what they even viewed as the gods. So the Absu and Tiamat were not considered gods. Now, later on, they are called the great gods. Great gods was normally reserved um, for the actual planetary bodies or the astral theology uh, that people would see a planet and that was a god. Um, and so we understand this with Tiamat and Apsu potentially as planetary bodies, one with fresh water, one with salt water colliding and mixing together. And that being the actual reaction that was needed to breed potentiality for life to evolve. That's how I, that's how I deconstruct this. And so before any destinies had been decreed, this means when chaos was abounding, right? Um, so Larry Palmer says this is too focused on our reality. Well, just give it a little bit. This actually affects the whole, the whole of reality, but this is very cultural. I mean, this text is a cultural Babylonian myth. So, um, it's impossible to just strip away the culture from it. Um, uh, because yes, they were, they were trying to figure out how their reality got created. Right. And so these first four gods that I'm going to reveal have, again, the, the creation keys in it. By the way, the keys that are in you and me still, uh, according to every creation myth. And I'm about to just blow some minds here today because this blew my mind. The gods were created within them. So we're about to talk about the gods. You have Lamu and Laamu were formed and came into being. So they were formed while they grew and increased in stature. Anshar and Kishar, who excelled them, were created. They prolonged their days. They multiplied their years. This literal section right here, verse 7 through 13 in the Enuma Elish, I'm going to drop it in the comments just so you guys have it. This section directly correlates with God creating the heavens and the earth, the spirit hovering above the waters, the waters were separated, the sky, the earth, the, the ocean, everything. 
That's literally what this is talking about. However, you can see how disembodied this feels. You know, it's like, are these actual gods? Are they people? Are they entities? Are they even trying to say that they are beyond just put them in a myth? Well, that's where the book of Genesis takes and adopts and adapts these concepts and just says, okay, well, God did it. Especially in our modern translation, it just says God. If you look at the older Hebrew translation of it, it is Elohim. Elohim created humanity in their own image. Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Actually, it's set them apart. If you go look at the actual etymology, uh, they didn't actually manifest so much as they made and they formed into and they manipulated into a functioning form, if you will. Are you guys tracking like this? Like, are you digging this today? Are you following me? Uh, Melanie says, sorry, Bob. Yeah, talking about Bob earlier. For Bob's conspiracy blog. Um, yeah, sorry, Bob. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Yeah, sorry. I missed I missed comments. I promise I'm not ignoring you. I'm just, I'm, I'm going hard today. So thank you, Larry. Awesome. Appreciate you. Jack uh, says, is humanity the gods? Certainly the demigods. Certainly the demigods. We're going to talk about that too talk a lot more about that in my Anki episode. Uh, what's up, Molly? How are you? Molly says, hey, family. Um, the the letter H is laser cut precision. Yeah, absolutely. At Gobekli Tepe. It's, it's insane. Um, I think they were protecting it before they left the planet. I agree. I agree. I agree. So anyway, here's a little chunk of verses for you. Like I said, go read Genesis 1 and it'll blow your mind. I'm not going to read it today just because, you know, I think this is going to prove that this is where Genesis came from. You can go read it for yourself. But um, so we get into this myth and I'm going to start. You, I have all of this data for you, by the way, in uh, the notes, but I have to uh, essentially finish reading this part here. So Anu, their son, could rival his father's. Anu, the son equaled Ansar, and Anu begat Ninamud, his own equal. Nudamud, so, these are so hard to say, guys, so hard to say. N-U-D-I-M-M-U-D, Nudimud, 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 there you go, Nudimud, I got it, yay, uh, was the champion among his fathers, profoundly discerning, wise, and robust in strength, very much stronger than his father's begetter, Anshar. He had no rival among the gods. His brothers, the divine brothers, came together. Their clamor got loud, throwing Tiamat, Tiamat into a turmoil. They jarred the nerves of Tiamat. And by their dancing, they spread alarm in Enduruna, Absu did not diminish their clamor, and Tiamat was silent when confronted with them. Their conduct was displeasing to her. Yet through their behavior, yet though their behavior was not good, she wished to spare them. Thereupon Absu, the begetter of the great gods, called Mumu, his vizier, and addressed him, Vizio Mumu, who gratifies my pleasure. Come, let us go to Tiamat. They went and sat facing Tiamat as they conferred about the gods, their sons. 
Apsu opened his mouth and addressed Tiamat. Their behavior has become displeasing to me, and I cannot rest in the daytime or sleep at night. I will destroy and break up their way of life. That silence may reign and we may sleep. When Tiamat heard this, she raged and cried out to her spouse. She cried in distress, fuming within herself. She grieved over the plotted evil. How can we destroy what we have given birth to? Though their behavior causes distress, let us tighten discipline graciously. Then they go on, they confer about it. Then uh, a, a bit of a war breaks out. Then uh, you have more of the Anuna gods being born, and then they go to war with each other. And immediately chaos looks like it's not being reined in very well because even though there might be peace at one point, chaos starts coming back in over and over and over. Paula says, I appreciate you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Thank you, Paula. I appreciate you, my friend. Light and Life says, um, yeah, and, and that's what um, that's why they created humanity, so that they had indentured servants, uh, so that they were enslaved under the gods. That was literally the whole point in the human creation. The book of Genesis is really one of the only myths that leaves that little detail out. Um, and then you realize that the Garden of Eden was the perfect uh, outdoor imprisonment and laboratory for humanity to stay in uh, so that they could continue to get uh, created um, and breed the perfect human worker. Um, that's what the myths say, if you're to take them literally. If not, then they're just another creation myth, and it's cool, no skin off my back. But if you're going to get a little creative with it, pepper in just a skosh of ancient astronaut theory uh, you're going to come up with a pretty dark plan that, you know, if someone did that today, ethics would be questioned, licenses would be pulled, stuff like that, right? Uh, in fact, there might be be some, some heavier ramifications, including doing some time. If you were literally breeding a race um, to just do work for you and you weren't going to pay them. I mean, that's like, you know, against every law now, I think, you know, or most of them around uh, the free world, right? Um, so this was an issue, huge issue. By the way, this was not one particular race. This was a lot of them, right? A lot of them. Um, and that's what the Anunnaki is not one race. It is those from heaven to earth who came, clearly indicating that these gods have a lot of different genetic lines. Um, and they were really trying to splice all of those and blend those and figure out what the perfect archetype was for this earth. And they tried it over and over and over and over. And there's Adamu and Adapa. Adamu is an early version of Adam, which the word Adam comes from. And Adamu is essentially not quite ready yet, uh, not fully baked uh, human worker. Uh, he couldn't really talk like you know they wanted him to couldn't really communicate couldn't really do the work and comprehend what they wanted so they kept trying they kept trying and then adapa is the perfect archetype well that's where adam in the bible comes from kind of an amalgamation of both of those there's no other talk on uh you know god creating a a failed experiment at first or um a neanderthal potentially um that that's you know that's where the the rabbit hole goes the more you read these uh these myths so here's the key 
Y'all take notes. T.I. Tiamat. There are four gods that you need to write down and remember. And I'm actually, uh, just so you guys know, uh, this is all going in my brand new course um, that I'm teaching on the Anunnaki mythology, uh, how to decode it and what that code is. And this is going to be one of the earlier episodes in it. So I'm not ruining anything. If you plan on taking that course, uh, it's going to be available uh, as a second tier Mythos membership, uh, as a Mythos Academy member. Uh, I'll share more on that later. But for today, TI, you've got Tiamat, AP, Apsu, AN, which is going to be Anshar, and then KI, which is going to be Kishar. So these two, there are two letters, codes. There's four two-letter codes. Four two-letter codes. The first code you need is going to be, there it is. I'm going to bring it up on the screen. TI, life, i.e. Tiamat. TI represents life itself. It is the vital force or essence that animates living beings in context of the Mesopotamian mythology. Life emerges from the combination of the other elements. Life is intricately connected. Um, what I find interesting about this, when we look this up, we understand TI is life. Yet most people translate Tiamat as salt water. We know now salt water doesn't necessarily give life. However, the electrolytes in it is very important with that actual visceral reaction of electrical exchange through electrolytes in salt water or in your own sweat or in your blood. Um, so this is kind of where this understanding comes from. Just so, just so you know, it's the best I could figure out from my research, but TI is life. And it does represent life itself. So this is the number one force to have any creation here. Again, these four are the creation code that when you read any of the Anunnaki myths, you need to know these four two-letter codes. Four two-letter codes. T-I being the first one. Life. Life. Um, then we have AP which is water. So we have TI life and AP water. TI life and AP water. AP water, i.e. the Absu or Abzu, uh, and P and B here can be kind of interchangeable. So you got Absu and Abzu, depending on how you say it. But this is water. AP represents the primordial waters often associated with chaos and the formless pre-creation state. These waters are the source of all existence and hold the potential for life. Now, remember, this is fresh water. It doesn't have the electrolytes and the electrical exchange and charge that like salt water does. You've heard of like salt water batteries and stuff like that. Um, so getting into a little bit of sciencey stuff here, but you have AP being water. That's where Opsu comes from. Uh, now, fun fact, Enki built his house in the Apsu after he unalived the god Apsu and then built on top of uh, what the remains of that god were. Again, there's like very mythological story devices, but how would we actually understand that? Um, if Enki unalives one of these gods, could that not just mean that Enki, being a highly evolved humanoid ancient astronaut, comes down and he says, hey, I'm going to claim authority over the land of fresh water, the freshwater ocean or the marshlands. Um, and he didn't actually unalive a god. 
but he actually commanded authority over it, put his foot on it. He conquered that God and from the remains of that God built his city and his house. That's how you can have these mythological story devices and the ancient astronaut theory living side by side. And nobody did it better, in my humble opinion, than Zechariah Sitchin. Okay. Um, listen to his books. I love his books. I have my own theories. The theory I'm sharing today is just something I discovered. He may say that in some of his books. I don't know. I love studying this stuff on my own and figuring things out. So what I'm sharing today is purely out of my brain today and my downloads that I discovered. I'm not trying to claim, oh, look at me. I just mean uh, I'm not here to recycle Zechariah Sitchin work. Uh, some people try to say that when I do my videos. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not regurgitating anything that he talks about. I'm applying it to my own studies. Uh, I've got a really long history of biblical studies. Um, trying to understand the the life and times of Jesus, uh, the ancient myths that are in the Old Testament, understand who those gods were. If you follow my work, you know that I believe Jesus was bringing a brand new God, different God, in fact, a metaphysical, meditative, yogic practice rather than the ancient practice of uh, sacrifices and worshiping these physical deities that I think the sacrifices were more for barbecue for them to sit back and relax after the, the end of a long day and you're serving these gods their meals. Uh, that's personally what I believe, especially in light of ancient astronaut theory. Again, I can't prove it, but I think that that tracks. So uh, TI Life, AP Water, you guys see here, and then you have AN Sky. So we got Life, Water, Sky, or Heaven. Life, Water, Sky, or Heaven. Um, and so A.N., sky or heaven, i.e. King Anu, the Anuna gods, and Anshar, okay? An is the divine sky or heaven is associated with celestial realm, the domain of the gods. So this is not only the sky where the clouds and birds are, but also above the what you would consider a firmament or the ionosphere, okay? So out uh, in the expanse of the vacuum of space, that is actually the An. Uh, or the beyond, right? Uh, so on divine sky or heaven, um, on represents the overarching vast expanse above the earth in some traditions. Um, on is also considered the father of the gods. So that's where you get King Anu, later on, who I believe is a physical deity off planet. Um, on Shar, um, I personally think that these four that I'm sharing with you, T.I., Tiamat, Apsu, Anshar, and Kishar, I think they are uh, elemental deities, not physical deities, elemental deities. Uh, that's just my woo-woo theory um, as we study this. So you got on, sky, and heaven. You guys see the archetypes that's connected to. And then K.I. is earth. And this is where we get... Lord Anki, Lord of the Earth, Anki, Nki, Nki. It's also where we get Ea, the god Ea, or Ea, Earth, Earth, Earth. You guys see that? Earth. And then this is also where we get Ankidu and Kishar. So the keys, okay? And there are other gods that use these, these four uh, two-letter keys, if you will. So... Um, you have, again, 
just to repeat those T I A P A N and K I K I. So T I life, A P water, A N sky heaven, and then K I earth. So there they are. They're in the comments for you. They're also in the description. You can go grab them in the description anytime. Um, But why is this important? Why is this important? Because I think these are literal keys to understanding the myths. I believe these were elemental deities or as they understood elements, not really the elements that we have today. Obviously, we have our whole, you know, table of elements. Um, Yeah, exactly, Frank. So earth, air, fire, water. However, fire is not present in this. Fire is not present in this because for that, they saw fire as uh, chaos, right? And so if you're going to claim destiny over chaos, what would they do? They would have fiery chariots that they would wield authority over chaos and that fire would be focused into propulsion for a fiery chariot or a horse of fire, as you hear about like in Ezekiel and a lot of the other biblical parts. Ah, oh, there my neck goes. I get tired trying to twist my head for the microphone here. So is that making sense? I mean, first off, mind-blowing for me uh, to discover this today. I mean, what a what a wild thing. I was literally just reading through, and I was looking at these gods. I'm like, what do these gods mean? Like, why, why do we have these first four gods? And then they're not talked about ever again. Well, it's because I think, again, they're the elements that the other gods archetype under and wield authority over. Uh, there's the Enlil ship. There's the Anki ship. Not an actual ship, but a ship like a title. It, it'd be like a lordship or a kingship. The Anki ship. It's it, you know he was originally lord of the earth, but then he was banished to the Absu, um, and he was able to claim authority over or conquer or unalive the god Absu. Um, again, these are all story devices we can use to try to understand maybe what was going on. And if you're an archaic people and you watch gods come down from the heavens, you watch other people come down they start digging out rivers building cities they're creating you or better versions of you in an outdoor laboratory you see one come from the sky you see one come from the ocean you see one that literally is birthing life into people uh and this ti archetype um goes later on with like the first mothers and stuff that were birthing the anunnaki hybrid um lineage on the earth or what you would consider nephilim uh from the book of enoch guys this is not things that we can look at and go oh that's unholy because it's a hybrid between that's all of us that's all of us okay you look at the book of enoch it's only one god's perspective of he didn't like that the other gods decided to start interbreeding or what they called in the hebrew myths angels okay messengers or lower gods um, but we have what they were called the Ajiji in these myths here, where they were actually the lower gods are a different, um, different rank. Okay. A lot of these are ranking titles. You have the Ajiji, the Anuna gods. Uh, then you have, uh, the great gods, like there's different levels of them. Um, and so I believe a lot of this is more ranking systems and systems of governance for these uh, entities, these off-planet entities, then really they are uh, descriptors of what they look like or anything like that. Just like 
you can join the military now and change your rank. It doesn't change you. I mean, I'm sure it does, but it doesn't change your appearance or anything like that so much as you get different ranking. You may get different outfits. That's why a lot of these gods, some of them had a helmet of an eagle. Uh, some of them had the skin of a fish. Some of them, uh, we'll talk later on about the M.E.s or the Me's and how one of these early goddesses, every time she would go and visit her husband, had to put on the M.E. garments uh, to go up, to go up to meet her husband, who is a god, who is an Anuna god, a sky god. So um, if she's leaving the atmosphere, certainly makes sense, right? Uh, Rebecca says, I believe there are spiritual ranks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris says, uh, they speak, of of ether in terms of electric power. It's their power source. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. My friend, um, EA actually comes out of my mouth unintentionally yet. It's still cool because it's intentional for some sort of sense. It's still good. Absolutely. Roger. Absolutely. And of all of these gods, Ea Enki is probably my favorite. So, uh, certainly wasn't always a stand-up guy, but you know, I think he originally had a better plan for humanity. He was intelligent about it, and he saw the benefit of leaving humanity here, letting nature take its course instead of just destroying us because they were tired of us or didn't want to use us anymore. So. Uh, we are the intersection expressed in reality of those four things. Exactly, exactly, Larry. And that's what, that's really what I think the key to this is. And I'm telling you guys, most people, you go watch all these Anunnaki videos. I haven't heard one person talk about this. I'm not saying it's not out there. I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy on the block. I'm just saying I was very grateful today to be gifted or have this download and go, aha, and be able to look this up and confirm that this is correct data T-I is life, A-P is water, A-N is sky and heaven, K-I is earth. Like that is the actual key. And when I saw that in the text, and then I went and looked up these prefixes and what they actually mean in the original writings, and I find on scholarly websites, that's actually what these prefixes mean. I'm like, yeah, baby, I'm onto something. That's That's what's up. I love it. So uh teresa says sodium and potassium pump in our bodies exactly the life that's the ti those are the the electrolytes that you get the electrical charges and exchanges and they carry so much information and energy and nutrients right like i mean i'm certainly not a microbiologist but i, I remember enough to know that electrolytes are super important and salt water has those present in it so um you know you can go check my science somewhere um, if, if I misspoke, correct me, if you know more about science than I do, or you're an actual scientist, I'd love to interview you, by the way, love to have more conversations about this. Got a guy, uh, that I've been talking to might be doing some work with him who actually is a scientist. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I love hearing other people's opinions and sides of this. So, you know, keep me, keep me aligned here. Um, if you know something, I don't drop it in the comments. I always love uh, learning more. So thank you guys for that. Molly says our muscles wouldn't work without the electrolytes. Exactly. There you go. So, I mean, literally Tiamat is life. Water, water is life, but without, you know, without the life force in the water, you know, then what do we have? Um, you got a bunch of water sitting on a planet that's getting stagnant, doesn't have microorganisms in it, doesn't, 
have electrolytes in it doesn't have anything in it other than just to sit there and let the planet go cold and freeze right um and then on the sky like you need the sky too the sky is the barrier that filters sunlight that allows things to grow you know we think our sky is just this empty space it is made up of all kinds of different gases and particles that help reflect refract focus and filter photons sunlight and particles that are literally blasting our earth all the time um it's so important so important to life on this earth and then earth we wouldn't be here if we didn't have a rock under our feet right we can argue about what shape it is all day long Eliora, thank you so much for the gifts by the way we can argue about what shape it is all day long but at the end of the day guys we got a rock under our feet and thank god we do because it's really important really important that we do have uh something to stand on um in this planet and other planets that are life-giving are a huge blessing um we can't really explain them but it's it's incredible i think if you guys are loving today by the way please consider supporting me with stars on facebook gifts on tiktok by the way our gift level on tiktok here i'm only looking for one of these meteor showers today if you guys can drop some gifts over here it really helps pump up the stream tells tiktok hey cub is doing a great job today love what he's doing gets the videos out to more people um it's also i it's like i you know i'm not a waiter but i'm i'm serving knowledge understanding theories entertainment whatever you want to consider this to the masses so you know the stars on facebook and now you can click on the stars and pick different gift levels you don't just have to sit there and do a bunch of stars uh if you're like hey i want to drop cub you know 50 bucks or something you can buy a, a virtual gift that's worth that and I get that, guys. So it actually helps charge my channel up, helps my channel do well, helps me continue to create content. And I really, really appreciate that. Same thing on TikTok. You can also do that on YouTube with the supers. There's super chat, uh, super stickers, and super thanks. However you guys want to do it, whatever you resonate with, I really, really appreciate that. If you don't dig any of those, you can hit up my website directly at cubkuker.com and hit up the PayPal link at the bottom of the page and you can give a direct gift over there and just say, Hey cub, you know, happy holidays, Merry Thanksgiving, happy Turkey Christmas. Appreciate you brother. Uh, really, really appreciate that. Got something the other day from one of our friends that's been in the community for a long time. Uh, give me uh, a tip, gave me a tip um, through more conventional means than, than I've received one for. And I'm very, very, very thankful for that. So uh, I am officially a business. Everything that runs through my PayPal all goes through my business. It's all set up and reported. Nothing weird here. Um, so the tips are just like any tip that you'd give a waiter. Uh, really, really appreciate them. They add up and go towards my bottom line of running my business here. So I really appreciate you guys for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so with that, what do you guys want to talk about? We've got a few minutes left today. Um anything that i missed i think this is a great key i mean you've got four two-letter keys that go with all of this and i think they make up a beautiful understanding of what these four elemental needs are to have life and when we get beyond that then you get on i think king anu is one of the first physical deities i think he was one of the first evolved or manifest or whatever 
that one of the biggest problems that people are afraid to approach these Anunnaki myths. Thank you so much, Paula, for the super sticker. God bless you, my friend. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for the pair character, lovey-dovey eyes. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you. Um, so one of the biggest issues with these Sumerian, Babylonian, Akkadian, and the larger Mesopotamian mythologies is we don't know where the heck they came from. We don't know. Uh, did they evolve on another planet? Are they created in a laboratory? Are they artificial intelligence? Are we artificial intelligence? Is this all a game? And you guys know I get into those theories. I talk about that a whole lot. You can find out more about those theories. Uh, not only do we talk about them on our Saturday calls, we have our Zoom meetup calls on Saturdays. I do bonus videos over there for anybody that's interested. Uh, that's the best way you can support what I'm doing. And you get a whole lot with that. You get access to the off social community, all the Zoom meetups that we do over there. Um, as well as bonus content. So it's a great way to support what I'm doing. Go much deeper with me over there. Thank you, Paula. I really appreciate you. Um, but I do a lot of quantum manifesting um, in the the tier up from this. This mythos tier gets you into the community, the meetups, and the bonus fits. But there's a level up from that. You can go, it's on sale right now too. I'm going to be closing this down before the end of the year. And I'm not joking on that. I actually am closing it down, taking a break from uh selling this and having it open because every time i get members i try to welcome them in i'll make you a personal video you'll get that through the private messaging system um, and just try to get you integrated in the community and the last thing i want is for people to go through the holidays uh you try to talk about this stuff with friends and family and they look at you like you've gone nutty banana you know nuttier than the banana bread and the fruit cake right um so i want you to have a family i want you to have a support system for these theories and these ideas and these concepts. It's just open-minded and loving. That's what our Mythos community is about. So this is our number one selling membership. It's on sale right now for seven bucks. Uh, I will be closing it before the end of the year uh, for a very good reason, just to, I'm gonna be working on uh, adding more videos in the Academy. I just started shooting an entire series for the Academy today that is what this episode is today. It's the Anunnaki code, not just what we talked about today, but we're going to talk about quantum manifesting. We're going to talk about the other archetypes of the gods. We'll go through ancient astronaut theory. There's going to be hundreds of videos in this one course. It's a mastery level course uh, where I'm going to really get deep into teaching these myths, uh, show you guys what I believe the text means, teach you how to study it yourself, then how to build your own system of your own life protocol, uh, basically reverse engineering and hacking into the systems that the Anunnaki left behind on these clay tablets or that they told their prophets and their peoples or the downloads or however you consider it. These tablets and stone, I think, are very important to us, remembering who we really are. And also inside my academy right now, I've got so many videos, um, literally 500 plus videos in there right now, all about quantum manifesting. Uh, claiming authority over your life, deconstructing, if you're trying to deconstruct from uh, the BS, a belief system, right? Uh, lots and lots of fantastic stuff in there. So be sure and go check that out. You'll really, really enjoy it and appreciate it, I believe. Highly rated by all of our friends and family members. Alan, thank you, brother, for the hippo character with a pink hat. Thank you, CM Wolf. I appreciate you guys. Y'all are awesome. 
Uh, Larry says, I think a lot of religions today focus on one aspect or another of the significant factors. I have yet to find a holistic view like this. Thank you very much, Larry. I appreciate it. Uh, not everybody feels that way about what I teach. Some people think I've just, uh, you know, turned my back on the savior or something like that. And it's not like that guys. Um, I very much believe in God. I very much love God, but I think God is within me. I think God is a force an intelligence, a quantum father, mother with me as the child. Um, I think it is energy wave and particle. Uh, I think it is way more intelligent than we've been told. I think that that thing that gives us life is the thing that we're supposed to interact with, ask for help, and ultimately run to within our own temple every time we need to get charged up. And when we do that, guys, life is a, a special brand of magic that you can't explain. Uh, Shep, how are you, my friend? CM Wolf says, yes, thank you. Larry says, me too. Thank you, guys. Uh, Larry says, reverse engineering, perfect, exactly. So, you know, these Anunnaki gods were not always nice to people, right? But I think there's enough data left that we can reverse engineer what they were trying to do. Understand that they had tablets of destiny. I'm going to talk about this probably tomorrow. These tablets of destiny, guys, I don't think there was some prophetic thing written down. I think they literally were like these devices here, these smartphones, these tablets that we had. Maybe quantum technology. Maybe they're like quantum computers that can communicate all the way across the galaxy and trigger certain events or certain monitoring systems or whatever. Um, even maybe certain resonant frequencies. Um, I don't know exactly what they did, but I certainly think that we are getting closer and closer and closer to having Anunnaki technology right in our pockets and being able to activate exactly what they were doing, guys, exactly what they were doing, which is claiming authority over this planet, taking care of it. Uh, a lot of what we see in the early Anunnaki myths is the planet revolting, Tiamat getting angry, uh, Absu getting angry. We see that today, guys. You know, the more we manipulate our planet or um, the more we exploit it, uh, the more issues we have, right? And I'm not talking about some of the mainstream theories out there. I'm talking about theories I can't talk about here. You want to hear about those, you come join the Zoom on Saturday. That's where I can get super real with you. But right now, I can tell you uh, that I do think that there's a great way to reverse engineer these things. And if you just believe they're myths, then there's still like really good spiritual data in them. There's really good like philosophical data, right? So again, it doesn't hurt anybody to look at these ideas from all different potentialities. Um, it's a great way to live life, in my opinion, because at worst, you get a heck of a good story. At best, you might have some data that helps you live your life at a higher potential than your neighbor, than your friend, than your family, and maybe you can help them later on too in love and light. And that's personally what I believe and what I practice. So if you dig that, you're a shoe in for our community. You'd love it. Um, get more access to me, to the community, ask questions, comments, prayer concerns, whatever you want. It's fantastic. So come check it out. Like I said, before I close it out, I'm just going to close it out to do some maintenance, uh, make sure all of our members are taken care of, do some private stuff with our community. It'll open up again next year, but don't, don't wait till then because it might just be the thing you need to get through the holidays right now. I know I need it to get through the holidays and that's very important. Uh, we'll jump back in. One word I wanted to share today is the word demiurge. This is your bonus word of the day. Demiurge, 
is not what we think it is. Uh, I've been hearing the word demiurge and I always thought it was like demi and urge, like, you know, a demigod, like a quasi God or a partial God or a half God. And then urge as in like the urge to do something evil or the urge to do something satisfying or whatever, like the urge. But actually it comes from, I looked up the etymology on it today because Tiamat was called the demiurge as well. Well, if you know my work, you've probably heard of Yaldabaoth, which is the Gnostic demiurge. It's the lion-headed serpent, the mythical creature that was created by, by wisdom in ignorance. By wisdom in ignorance, Yaldabaoth was created. And so very, very interesting when you get into uh, the etymology of it because it's a being responsible for the creation of the universe. The Greek word demos, demos meaning people, or demeos meaning public, and ergos meaning working. So it is working the public, working people, or demiregos, which is craftsmen, and then the Latinization of it being Demiurge in the early 17th century, D-E-M-I-U-R-G-E. So the Greek equivalent is Demiurgos, Demiurgos, O-U-R-G-O-S, D-E-M-I-O-U-R-G-O-S, Demiurgos. Uh, and that's the Greek of it. So literally it means craftsman. It's, it's uh, not a creator god, as I've talked about before, way back when I started podcasting and doing the spirituality stuff. I talked about that I think there are multiple gods in the Bible talked about. This is when I was sticking with only biblical texts. You clearly know that I go outside of that now. Uh, but when I was sticking only and I was I was taking courses on uh, biblical studies and really working on that understanding, I kept seeing multiple voices in the Old Testament. And I'm like, I think there's a maker God and I think there's creator gods. And I thought they were two different. I thought one was a little more ethereal, like one actually created everything with its hands and the other one like made it and fashioned it and formed it and perfected it or whatever. And actually that's not too far off because you actually have the Elohim. Well, the Elohim are all maker gods, including Yahweh, Yaldabaoth. By the way, same entity. If you look, Yaldabaoth is the Gnostic view of Yahweh. Yahweh is the tribal God of the Hebrew people, of course. Um, and by the way, love and respect everyone. This is an open-minded, open heart community. Uh, whether we don't care who you are, where you do or don't go to church, who you're married to color, your skin, your culture, your tradition. I don't care. We just love you. You're welcome here in love and light. So always respect other cultures and traditions and faiths. I promise you, I do. I'm not here to make anyone feel any less about what they believe. I'm just here to unpack more data if you're interested in going deeper and seeking truth together that's what i'm here for so i appreciate you guys with that our community there's not a better community out there that observes equality for all people than our community uh from the rainbow flag to the flag of your people to the flag of your country we support you we love you as long as you're nice as long as you're fair as long as you're loving as long as you're peaceful you're in the right place. So thank you guys. I really, really appreciate your commitment to loving all people. CM Wolf, absolutely. All the little aminals. Uh, Paula says goosebumps. Thank you, my friend. Quetzalcoatl, uh, using the pocket of life. Yes, exactly. The Demiurge is a way of feeling and being a way. Uh, Jeffrey says, yeah, I mean, that's, that's possible. I mean, there's the potentiality to like extrapolate that into uh, your ethos, into your state of being. 
But again, the literal translation of demiurge actually comes from the Greek demiurgos, meaning craftsman. It's just a craftsman. So uh, you're a demiurge if you're a woodworker. You're a demiurge if you're a glassblower. You're a demiurge if you bake pies and cookies for Thanksgiving. My wife's been a demiurge all day. It doesn't mean she's evil. It means she's taking substratums and making something out of it. She's a craftsman. She's taking time to do her craft. I'm a craftsman right now. In fact, by proxy, we're all demiurges. We are all Elohim. We are all children of the gods. Every one of these myths, every one of them that we talk about, from the biblical canon to these extra biblical to the ancient myths, all claim that humanity is somehow child of God, children of God, children of the gods, Nephilim, Elohim. Uh, by the way, the word Bana Elohim means sons of God. Okay, sons of God. That was what a lot of the earlier people and tribes were called, the Bana Elohim, uh, the children of God, the sons of God. So we got to understand at a certain point, maybe, maybe there are some clues in here that we have a heck of a lot more potential than we want to activate on. And maybe we can all start being craftsmen. Doesn't mean we're the creator, the energetic creator of the universe. Doesn't mean that I'm the Big Bang, but it doesn't mean that I have that within me. I have the authority of the Big Bang within me. What is the authority of the Big Bang? That's the very kingdom of God that Jesus talked about. Jesus said the kingdom of God does not come with visible signs for the kingdom of God is within you. And yes, he actually said that. Yes, the Greek actually says that if you read it in the biblical canon. Um, within you is literally what he said. And if you look up the Greek word for within there, it actually means within, inside, a part of. That's actually what it means. And by the word, the word kingdom is basalia. Basalia in Greek that he used there. Basalia means the reign or rule of God. And the word God there is theos. And I actually have it right here on my desktop. If I could get to it, let's see if I can move. Um, I don't know. I can't move that too much or I'll lose everybody. Um, but but I have the phrase on my desktop. I'll share it with you guys sometime. In fact, I'll share it with our mythos community today. But it literally means the reign of God is within me. The reign of God is within me. It means the authority under heaven and earth to create, to manifest, to be gods. Ye are gods and the scriptures cannot be broken, Jesus said. And I'm not taking that out of context, guys. It's what the guy said. It's what he meant by it. How do I know that? Because I understand that he was not corroborating the status quo of the religious tradition in his day and time. Religious, political, economic. He was not for any of it. He was a rebel. He was a yogi. He practiced metaphysics. I believe he went to the ancient mystery schools with the 18 years that he was missing from the Bible. I think he was a mystical dude. I think they tried to unalive him. And I think he ascended. He was an ascended master. If he didn't ascend and he didn't go to the cross and he escaped and lived in India with Mary Magdalene, which is another theory and story because there's a grave there that says the master and Miriam. Then to me, that doesn't take any power away from him because the power of him is the power of you. And I do believe that, guys. I believe we are all Christ's waiting to wake up. And I'm not a devotee of anyone. I'm a G-O-D, little G-O-D. And I need to remember that. And you need to remember that too. I used to say I'm a devotee of Jesus. 
No, I'm a brother of Jesus. I'm a brother. And so are you. You're a brother. You're a sister. My brother and my sister and my mother is anyone who does the will of my father, he said. So start claiming it, y'all. Why are we trying to say, well, I worship Jesus? You can worship whatever you want, but why are you going to be enslaved under it? You can worship money. You can worship Jesus. You can worship your car, worship your husband or your wife, worship any God archetype you choose, but why you want to be enslaved? That's what worship means, enslavement. Why do you want to be under something when you can be a God, you can be a brother, you can do the will of the Father? What's the will of the Father, by the way? To create to enter this realm through the hands and feet of that energy, that force within. It's a force and good and evil can use it. And the will of the father is good and light. Jesus said that in my father, there is light or Jesus didn't. Well, he might've said it, but John attributes him to saying it in first John. It's not an actual air quotes of Jesus, but they say they say that he said it in that it's not a red letter, but that in in the Father there is light and there is no darkness at all. So what is the will of God to bring light to the world? That's literally what Lucifer's job was. That's literally what the shining one, the serpent, Anki. Remember, Anki brought knowledge to Adam and Eve. He told the people in the garden, in the laboratory, "Hey, you'll be like Enlil." If you realize that you can, on your own, you can breed on your own, you can procreate on your own, that was the forbidden fruit. It wasn't an apple, guys. It wasn't an apple. And the serpent, represented by DNA too, is the ascension, the coiling of the genome and realizing that we had authority over that on our own to let nature take its course, find the most attractive in all the qualities partner and let us be the deciders of our destiny and lil didn't like that and by the way in lil is the archetype of yahweh marduk is the archetype of yahweh they got adopted into a bunch of different things and we don't understand it because we want to argue all day long that i'm right the day you can say i don't know is the day you take a step towards knowledge and the day you realize that knowledge is the only thing of value that you have because knowledge leads you to realizations. And when you have realizations, you can gain wisdom. And those are the only important things in the world because otherwise you're reincarnating over and over and over again and you have no soul map. And you get a bunch of that stuff and then you realize that you can create money anytime you want. Don't print it. That's illegal, but you can create it. You can create opportunities, relationships, friendships. You can create a live stream like this. Guys, we got 750,000 people that are exposed to our content every single month. My analytics, we're, we're hitting people. There's some month we're hitting like 1.4 million people a month. There was one month we hit like 3.8 million people. That's insane, guys. That's insane. That was created. That was manifest. That was a quantum entanglement of mind and heart and action. That was a father, a mother, and a child. 
And that's what I'm talking about, guys. When you take those steps and you say, okay, Jesus' message, totally different than what we've been told, not about him going to the cross, but about what he spoke to us, about what he said to us. And these old gods, not to be enslaved under, but to be brothers with. And there's a few of them that will appreciate that. Few of them. And maybe the world's flipped it on end and we demonize a snake, a serpent, some mythological thing in the garden. And maybe it was the idea that he was shiny because he had to wear a wetsuit with little particles all over it, just like that heat. You know, if you get one of those jackets, ski jackets, the inside's lined with all these little heat cells that reflect your, your body heat back. If you go to an archaic person who's wearing you know, animal furs or is completely without clothing because you're treating them as animals and workers and they see you in one of these suits to keep warm, you're probably going to be a serpentine being to them. So might what we're dealing with be less of a, a reptilian race here and an angelic race there and, you know, all the different, you know, sky people, archetypes that we have maybe it's what they're wearing maybe they look just like us red yellow black blue purple pink and orange all the different shades of humanity right maybe maybe they're just wearing different tools for different jobs i'm just saying larry says wow you are too cool uh i've been saying all the things uh i've been saying my whole life how are you saying all the things i've been saying my whole life uh more about people judging yeah you're gonna get judged thank you larry i appreciate it and i'm glad to be a face and a voice and whatever i can for this message because to me it's logical to me it's just logical you know we go to sunday school you try to have a little faith growing up you deconstruct you lose your faith you become atheist whatever I mean, everybody has their story, or maybe you still believe in God. You just don't know what God is, or maybe you're like me and you think one day, oh my gosh, I think God's an alien. And then you tell your friends that you tell your family that, and they think you're absolutely, like I said, nuttier than the fruitcake that you're going to have on Thanksgiving. That's why I came in and I created the community and the community at first was for survival. I needed a product and I wanted to connect with other people. Because I'm tired of my friends calling me at all hours of the night, telling me how evil I am, texting me that I've turned my back and I'm leading people to H-E double toothpick. And at the end of the day, what do I need? I need connection. I need other people to talk to. I need a business out of this. If I'm going to do this, because I will tell you that doing what I have done has wrecked my social standing especially living in the Bible Belt. I'm not going and getting other, other jobs in this town because of what I teach on here. I'm not saying anything negative against where I live. I'm just saying I'm not teaching what people are going to Sunday school and church on Sundays or Wednesday nights and listening because what they raise their hands to on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and they praise 
I understand from reading all of these myths and from studying and from learning and from asking deeply and deconstructing and being willing and following what I believe is a metaphysical spiritual entity within me, a quantum entity, I understand that these things that are being praised are the very things that want to enslave us, use our energy, use our life force, and spit us back into the cycle of reincarnation. Doxa says that still small voice will call his sheep. Absolutely, my friend. Anki, first son of Anu, most high, and Lil, second son who wanted to become like the most high God of earth. Exactly, exactly. And do I believe Anu is the creator of everything? No. I believe that these four elements are a representation, as I shared these gods with us earlier. Tiamat, Apsu, Anshar and Kishar, I believe these are the representations of the wave with water, energy, life, and then you have heaven and earth being the particle, the manifest light, the ether and light, the, the matrix that we live in. I think that literally these four keys in here are quantum keys. T-I, A-P, A-N, and K-I. Life, water, sky, and earth. That's what I believe God is. I believe God can be explained by science, by metaphysics, by knowing, and that it's not found through dogma, through following a prescription of religiosity or churchianity or whatever. And I'm not saying that to offend anyone. I love you. Like if you go to church on Sunday, I love you. I have no, I don't have an issue with it. For me, I had an issue with it. I could not find God because I kept being told what he was supposed to look like. And every time I'd hear a reading out of the old Testament and he's unaliving millions of people. And then I'm told, well, he loves you and he won't unalive you. If you go through Jesus, that entire plan doesn't make sense. Well, God's, high, God's ways are higher than yours. Yeah, he was obviously higher than me because that ain't a good plan. I'm just saying. Dude, y'all, you got to clip that out and use that somewhere. That was, yeah. Yeah, I just called. I just called God. I know. Um, Sam says, I've written my name in the water. I've written my name in the snow too. So, um Sorry for Sweden and spells uh, badly. Uh, you sound like quantum computer programmer, Larry says. Thank you. I'm a quantum consciousness programmer. That's what I do. I do that with everybody that comes across this podcast and stays a while. Uh, I do that with the short videos. Every short video, I shot eight of them today. They're all asking questions. There's one three-minute video where I go for the throat proverbially with teaching a little bit more hardcore uh, Adam, brother, I got something from you. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to text you here in a minute. So thank you. I'm glad you popped on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the support. Thank you all for your support. Um, those of you that are in a, my private community, I do have a PO box, uh, opening very, very soon. Adam, grace of God, grace of God that I got what I got from you because 
the address was wrong because it sends you to a middle of a field. Somehow the postal service found the actual, because they screwed up the neighborhood and houses are like, like it goes from like 1800 block to like 3200 block. And then, so where you sent it is actually like, I think they're building like a, a convenience store now or something, but luckily I got it. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to text you by the way, I don't normally text people, but you put your number in there. So I'm going to text you. Thank you. And for anybody in my community that doesn't want to send anything, a gift or whatever, um, or something you made or whatever, I'm, I've got a PO box. I promise I'm going to open that before Christmas. That's on my to-do list. So everything happens exactly how it's supposed to. Yeah. And Adam actually prompted that. My wife and I were so touched. I cried a little, Adam. Thank you. Thank you. I don't want to embarrass you, but Adam sent me a very, very kind gift. Um, in lieu of doing stars or something. So thank you, my friend. Uh, really, really grateful for that. And, and it just, it goes to show that we have the best community here, guys. Like, um, I, I don't say that. I don't say, Oh, we have the best community. Look at what I've built. I say it cause you guys humble me all the time. You guys humble me. I have people that have sent me hundreds of dollars at a time. Uh, I have people that have gone out of their way to make sure they can mail me something to, to give me a gift. I have people that have, um, sent me messages that they're like, I've got a download for you and you need encouragement and here's this and thank you for this. And like, I, we have the best community because we're real, we're authentic. Okay. This is not like a brand I'm trying to build. I mean, the brand is being built because of the people you guys have helped build this. And this is not, um, you know, some showmanship thing. This is like real life. Like I, I know and love so many people in our community and I'm so grateful for each of you. Thank you guys. I don't want to turn this into a gushy session here, but seriously, I'm very humbled. And for our community, I, I will not be sharing it publicly, but it'll be just for our community PO box where you guys can send me stuff. I'm going to get a whole wall going here. You know, the flatter the stuff you send me, the better I can post it on the wall. So thank you guys. Um, anyway, awesome, awesome community. You guys are fantastic. Looking forward to new members. Saw several people scan I'll welcome you over there. You'll get a custom video just for you, just a welcome video. Uh, I like to personally address everyone. You'll get that within a couple of days of joining. Um, look forward to having you join before the holidays, before I get this thing closed out for the year. Um, get yourself access to a community that is as real as it gets, right? Um, so thank you guys. I love y'all. Thank you, TikTok, for telling me. Great job. You've been live for 90 minutes. Thank you guys for helping the gift over here. I don't know how close we've gotten. Um, if you do have any gifts on TikTok, drop drop them now before I jump off. See how close we can get to that meteor shower. Looking for one meteor shower. That would be awesome. Thank you. Thank you, honeybee. Thank you guys so much. Larry says, not Facebook savvy. No worries, my friend. Uh, Larry, how to join? You can scan the QR code or go to C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R, Cub Cooker, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com. Uh, and that's going to be the best way to join. And when you get there, you can, let me share this screen. This is what it'll look like. Um, see if I can minimize that a little. There you go. Uh, you'll see my profile picture here. You want to go through my verified website. You can follow me on all the socials here. Then you can join Mythos here, $7 a month or 69 yearly, regular 14 bucks a month. So you get that half off right now. Um, and then if you do yearly, you get like two months free with a discount there. Then you can join Mythos Academy membership. 
you get everything in the first membership, but you also get the 500 video lesson library, supernatural practitioner training, quantum manifesting frameworks. And I'm working on right now the proprietary mythology study methods, um, starting with the Anunnaki code series, which there will be lessons from that series up before the end of the year. Um, and there's already 500 plus video lessons in that library. Regular 49 a month on that, 28 a month now, or 279 a year, and you get a couple of months free with that yearly price. All you got to do is click, put in your info, boom, bada bing, bada boom, you're good to go. Um, like I said, highly rated membership. People tend to just love it. So um, I, <laughs> you know, you can't you can't make it better uh, than all of these rave reviews, right? Like that's what I. It just blows my mind. I, I don't have to market it myself. People do it for me. So thank you very much. There it is, my friend. Uh, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com. I'll put it on the screen there. C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com. Uh, I know my name's weird. I've, I've looked for other URLs like cub.me and stuff. And, the, you know, they want like 30 grand for cub.me or something. So I just keep it my name and, you know. Like I said, my real name's Jacob, but my friends call me Cub. I've gone by Cub ever since I was, see, five years old, five years old, I think. So uh, my brother just couldn't say Jacob when he was little. Uh, he just said Cub, Cub, and it stuck. I'm like, I'm a baby bear for the rest of my life, but I love it. And, you know, people tend to remember it. So I'm the, the guy, the Cub guy. So anyway, yeah, go check that out. Grab yourself a membership. Appreciate it. Um, any other questions I missed today, by the way? Um, cause I don't want to, I don't want to jump off till I get, uh, Tommy says really great new information today. Thank you. I felt it. I felt like it was brand new information. I'm glad you guys felt that too. A lot of times I feel like I'm circling the wagons. Um, but I know because there's always new people watching, there's always new ways to say things. Uh, but today I felt like was brand new for me too. Like I was like, oh, this is super new info. Like this is really relevant. Uh, fantastic key, I think, to understanding all of this. Mary says a dogma filled uh, with exclusatory. Um, yeah, exactly. Is always wrong. Exclusionary, always wrong. Um, Vince says, da, 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 da. okay, so yeah, let's talk about ethnicities of the Anunnaki. Okay, there is no evidence to say that they were one color or another. Now, there are references to different colored peoples being created at different times. Okay, that's all there is. Doesn't mean anybody's better than anyone else or this color is descended from Anunnaki and this color is descended from these or whatever. That's not what it's about. There are different tribes. There's different archetypes. There's different lines. Uh, then you get the ascended masters and they said, anybody can ascend. Okay. It doesn't matter what your lineage is. doesn't matter who you came from. doesn't matter who your God is. You can ascend. Okay. That's what I believe Jesus was trying to teach. So when people say that, Anunnaki is, I think, and, and a lot of other people do, even Billy Carson talks about this. There are a bunch of different races. It's people from another planet. It's like if we put together a team of our best people, sent them to another planet. We did a whole mission, a whole ops mission there. Um, and we knew we were getting resources for our planet. And instead of us shipping more people and blasting more rocket fuel to get to that planet or more quantum you know, uh, whatever tech they use to get here. We don't know. Um, but if we had sent our best people, 
they would look, you have all different colors, right? All different uh, education um, expertise. You know, you'd have probably an engineer. You probably have a biologist. You probably have a quantum technician. You probably have uh, a nutritionist. You probably have uh, someone who is an expert in survival. You'd have all these different archetypes, probably even wearing different types of suits, right? Maybe even coming on different waves or ships or different sky chariots, right? Uh, then you might start building landing pads. You might start erecting cities and refunneling water to where you needed the resources. Then you might start taking a substratum or a hominid or some sort of creature on the planet and then making your own uh, designer line of workers, right? Ethical? No. Uh, effective? Apparently it was because every one of these myths talk about the same thing. And if, if we're going to take them literally at any point in time, We've got to apply modern scientific understanding to it. And if they literally happen, if they literally happen, this is how they had to happen. This is this is the most logical explanation. And so with that, that's why you had all different, all different archetypes, right? So no, I don't believe they were predominantly one color or another. Um, you know, that's not to, you know, no um no diss to anybody that's that's what i mean like um because a lot of people like to say um that it's you know the the germanic aliens are the ones that did this or that you know there's some pretty horrible dictators that believe stuff like this if you look into uh the man that his name starts with a big h that i can't talk about here you know a german uh very evil person um I don't think anybody can argue that he, that he was, you know, he, he believed in a lot of these like alien communications and uh, technology of the gods and stuff like that. Even Marvel addresses it in the movie, Captain America, uh, where the organization Hydra is connected to that, that other organization, that other leadership um, construct, you know? And so very, very interesting. So when you start doing that and you start thinking, you know, well, this, this lineage is better than this one, or this one's from the gods and this one's not. It never ends well, is what I'm saying. So um, it is much better, in my opinion, to just view it as there was an away team sent with a bunch of different colors and a bunch of different uh, you know, races of people. And that's where we got our original 12 tribes, You know, the 12 basic makeups of human genomes on this planet, right? That's where you get those from, is that original... 12 that came right you know there was i think there was nine that came to the earth originally but there's like 12 um total you know and then the theory is that there's like a handful of them that never made it to the earth or you know we don't know how many right um so that's kind of where i'm like yeah let's not get too into um trying to label the skin quality of any people does that make sense? I mean, is that fair? Like, you guys vibe with that? I just think that um, it's easy to do when you start reading this stuff and then you do read about different, you know, colors. Because, in fact, Adapa originally was a red color. Um, you know, if you look at, like, the Neanderthals, um, they were, you know, a lot of the drawings and stuff, they assume they were very, like, you know, earth-colored skin. Um, and that doesn't make them... You know, it doesn't make anybody that has that color skin today um, good, bad, anything like that, because, you know, what do we know, right? Um, 
anyway, I, I don't I don't know how to I get, I get really tired of this because I post pictures of Jesus, and to me, Jesus looks pretty toasty brown. And then people get mad at me because he's not dark enough or he's not light enough. I've had it on both sides. Stop the madness. You know, go look in the mirror and look at your soul. Tell me what the color of your soul is. That's more what I'm interested in. So uh, I don't have any time for uh, people discriminating by the color of someone's skin. I just don't have time for it. And I don't support it. I don't do it. Uh, I have friends and neighbors that are all colors of the rainbow. And I literally mean that. Okay. I literally mean that all different colors of the rainbow, um, LGBTQ rainbow flag, love it or leave it guys. I'm open-minded and I love all people. That's just how I do it here. So, uh, and I'm not saying the gentleman that mentioned that is trying to discriminate. I just mean that even those like those questions, you get creators that talk about that and it's just not cool. Like, cause what does it do? It doesn't help anybody. It just sets certain people over here and certain people over there based on what bunch of theories, you know? I, and so that's kind of where I draw the line, but Larry says, maybe it's the fact that it doesn't matter that we're all gifted with the light of life. Then build the best reality you can. It's the journey that's important. Exactly. Exactly. Molly says, I'm an OR nurse. We all look the same inside. Exactly, Molly. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Larry says, if you are alive and have self-realization of right and wrong, the color of your skin is irrelevant. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. And we love everybody here. I mean, we, we probably have one of the most diverse communities out there. I, I got to tell you, um, I've, you know, I just often go through and look at all the new, new followers and stuff. You know, what do people like? Um, and guys, it is, it is everybody. You would not believe, you would not believe the diversity that we have in this community. And I think it is absolutely worth celebrating. And I think it's beautiful. And it actually gets me emotional because I've come out of a construct and largely a set of belief systems, especially, you know, the more fundamentalist you get within the, um, kind of modern white evangelical Christian um, community that I came out of growing up. Like I was homeschooled and a lot of like, you know, homeschool culty type feelings with some of the things, things that like my parents ultimately ended up pulling us out of because it was a little, little too much. Right. Uh, lots of like burning video games, smashing movies that they didn't agree with stuff like that. Just really like, you know, really heavy judgments on a lot of things. Um, and so for me, I get a little emotional because I've watched, you know, what I feel like I've, I've kind of deconstructed from, which was very limiting on what God liked and what God approved of. And, and really now to just see this literal rainbow community, this tribe we've built. And it really makes me a little bit emotional because I'm very grateful for it. I'm so thankful to each and every one of you. And I think it's a testament to what love does, because I think that's the force we should focus on love. And I don't mean that in just the hippy dippy way. I know it's easy because I'm wearing a tie dye shirt, but I mean that in a very real way. Like your neighbor needs love. There are people that are hanging on a thread on whether they want to live or not. And love is literally what they need. It's the life force. It's the TI in all of this that they go, oh, so-and-so cares. I got a hug. I got a box of cookies. I got invited to a game night. There's somebody that needs to be invited to a game night at your house right now that feels completely alone, completely alone. There's somebody that needs to see you, to hear from you. 
and it doesn't matter what they look like. Adam says, I get emotional when I think about this community too. Adam, I love you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Molly. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, honeybee. Thank you, everybody that's part of our community that was here today. I'm sure I missed a bunch of y'all, but Larry says, wow, poignant. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, there's too many bad theologians with bad theories, and everyone is a theologian with good theories and bad theories. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. The light of Christ. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. Like a lot of people that get screen time, you know, they're just trying to tie together things that are convenient. Am I trying to tie together things that are convenient? I believe in ancient astronaut theory. And so I, I easily see the connections there. I think on more of a technological level and I go, okay, this wasn't a magic stick that they had. What technology were they using? Okay. This wasn't some fiery chariot with horses in front of it what technology were they using that that's what i that's where i go i mean that's just the way my brain works you know and i think that there's room for all the theories out there and i think that more people need to share them in truth and love and light and the truth is i don't know okay i'm 98 convinced but there's still the two percent of me that goes i could just be plugged into a computer somewhere you're not even real this isn't even real who knows like uh, so, you know, it's, it's all fun and games until, until you wake up in the matrix, right? That's for another episode. So, uh, Kareem says, we are supposed to show everyone love. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's what this community does. Thank you guys for that. I've been on a minute 45 hour, 45, excuse me, hour 45. So I'm going to jump off. I love you guys. It's been a great stream. I'm going to see you tomorrow. I'll be live tomorrow. Lots of videos coming out. Y'all can really help me out by going to my social medias, go over to Facebook, go over to YouTube, share those shorts, those little 60 second videos, those reels, uh, share my TikToks, whatever you, where, whatever you guys are at. You can find everything at cubcooker.com, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com, and I'm at cubcooker on social. Not at cubcooker1, not at cub underscore cooker, or K-U-U-K-E-R, it's at Cub Cooker on Meta Products. So Meta Products, we have Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. I'm verified. Big old blue check mark. I'm about to be verified on X. Okay, if you guys follow me on X, if I get a couple of thousand new followers over there, I'll verify it. I'll give them all my info and get it verified. Um, I should be verified soon, hopefully, maybe, on TikTok. I need to get a few more publications written about me because they've got some weird things to get verified. Uh, as soon as we hit a hundred thousand on YouTube, we'll be verified. So y'all, wherever you want to follow me, I'm there. I'm, I'm on all the socials, try to use them all equally so that if you're there, I'm there because I don't want this to miss anybody. So thank you guys. I love y'all. Larry says, thanks. Great discussion. Thank you. Namaste, Molly. Uh, Sherilyn, what's up? How are you? Thank you so much for being here. Hey, hello. Made the live. I'm new. I had a vision of who they call Jesus. Uh, I try to keep an open mind with a prayer and meditation. Does it really matter what our God looks like? We're to love everyone. Amen, my friend. Amen. Absolutely. Uh, why not make our God love, the force of love, father, mother, and child, a unity together? Um, and that doesn't mean male and female. That means 
the masculine and the feminine energy coming together in unity to create that love force, that experience of reality that we should all be having, right? The quantum God, uh, which is particle, wave, and energy. Energy, father, wave, mother, and particle being the birth, the child of those together, the light. I love it, guys. I love it. Thank you guys for letting me explore all this with y'all. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Tracy says, just sent you a message on Facebook. Awesome. Tracy, I will go check it out right now. Thank you guys. Don't forget, scan the QR code, join the community. Love to see you over there soon. I love you all. Have a beautiful afternoon. God bless. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.